Listen, Jesus, I don't like what I see. All I ask is that you listen to me. And remember, I've been your right-hand man all along. You have set them all on fire. They think they've found the new messiah. And they'll hurt you when they find they're wrong. Dun-dun, dun-dun, dun-dun. <laughs> Nazareth, your famous son, should have stayed a great unknown. Like his father carving wood, he'd have made good. Tables, carving chairs and wood, whatever. <laughs> Oaken chess. Oaken chess? I thought it was wooden chess. Would have chess. suited Jesus best. He'd have caused nobody harm. No one no alive! <laughs> All right. I think we All did right. that. <laughs> Why did we do it? Why? Uh, it's totally what unrelated to anything. What is this? No, it's not, because it's a show about friendship. That's the kind of shit the listeners love, trust me. Oh, the okay. show, at its heart, is about a rock-solid friendship that you can listen to and pretend is involved in your life in a real way. Um, and it is, it's a real genuine friendship. That's true. We've known That's each other true. for, what, 20... It, Years, at least the 30 years probably for though. the duration of the song at least yes that's true at for, least that. for real though yeah uh, since we were five right that's the canon in my head yeah so i thought this was a show about science i did a bunch of research Whoa! and stuff so all right I... let's ex- let's uh dispel the haze then uh hey everyone welcome to science or whatever a show where a guy with boundless confidence in a field that he only dimly understands interviews his oldest bestest friend who's an actual scientist i'm michael swaim and with me as always is my pal introduce yourself i'm griffin rowell all right michael spell Excuse me, sir. What are your credentials? Oh, do I have to? You? Oh, you're gonna make me do? That? I guess that makes sense. Uh, I think it makes sense to uh, go over because listen, these guys know me. These yeah, people know yeah, know my true. deal. Uh, I'm a shameless self promoter, and all I basically do is explicate my deal professionally. Yeah. But people yeah. don't know your deal, and you're such a core part of my life. But we haven't like worked on much public facing. No. Uh, so, what's your deal? Who are you, Griffin Rowell? Ooh, what's going on? That is a that's a complicated question. But as far as the science stuff goes, uh, I studied physics in undergrad, so I have a cursory knowledge of general uh, general physics. And then I did a master's degree in aerospace engineering, and now I, uh, you know, I do that notionally although i'm a systems engineer so mainly it's spreadsheets these days but uh but i i still uh i still do some reading here and there so (laughs) and during under your period of undergrad study was that when you were arrested for public exposure or was that Uh, (laughs) i wasn't arrested i was detained for for public urination (laughs) public urination not exposure (laughs) i'm not on any list what are you doing to me uh everyone knows small beans as the gotcha network yeah (laughs) yeah ruin your life is this a Uh, bait and switch no it's not it's Uh. not it's really science or whatever um because we used to have a show called pop culture petri dish which may one day return i don't know in glory or ignominiously but uh 
I miss having a science show and I wanted an excuse to talk about science and the direction of this show is going to be simultaneously wilder and more constrained because Griffin has done actual research and has brought real science to bear and I'm here as a yokel to go wow that sounds amazing um, but I'm not phoning it in I'm someone who genuinely has like a layman's love of science and physics and quantum physics specifically uh, and what we're not talking about any of that today are we or is the sun uh, quantum that's, physical well that's the uh, I think that's the next one that we're doing but Oh, you've decided the run order as well. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah, we're doing uh, we're doing Newton first. Well, please, yeah. it's your show, Maestro. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Well, I figured during these these trying times, uh, we could we could discuss you know the one of the more incredible times spent in uh, in quarantine, hiding from invisible demons that we all are running from right now. Oh, okay. So the man is Isaac Newton. And uh, I don't know. Do you know who Isaac Newton is? Should I explain? <laughs> is there? <laughs> um, I think it's... Well, here's the things I know about Isaac Newton. The apple tree in the tree story, but yeah. it's apocryphal, right? It's more of a, th- a way to explain what gravity means than than literally what happened, or well, we'll did it happen? We'll get to that, and maybe more that. Uh, oh, okay. Maybe more that Newton is uh, is is like you than in, in an apocryphal uh, story appearing out of nowhere. But um, yeah, shamelessly. Uh, oh, shamelessly himself. self-promoting. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I know about Newton is that a he like contributed so much to science that I can't un- I can't understand his contributions. <laughs> like he's one of the biggies. And then also, uh, he just was a weirdo who would just try anything, which makes sense as a scientist, right? But the story I remember very well was that in one of his journals from when he was uh, what is it? super head of science chair at Cambridge. What's the position that uh, oh, the Lucasian Stephen Hawking... chair? See, this is why you're here. This oh, is yeah. great. Huh. Yeah, the Lucasian chair, that is, is it at Cambridge or Oxford? Uh, it's at Cambridge, yeah. Okay, and it's the same position later held by uh, Stephen Hawking. But anyway, Isaac Newton held it once and they were going through his old records of all his experiments and he performed a private experiment where he stuck a spoon in his eye. That was actually a sewing needle. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> so tell us about that. I, my version that it's in my head is the journal just says, like, inserting objects so-and-so centimeters, blinding pain, ceasing experiment. Yeah, yeah. But it was, I, yeah, it was, it was actually more horrifying. It was, a, it was a long, blunt sewing needle, and he just pushed on, on, the, on the back of his eye socket and uh, looked at what colors showed up. Wow. Yeah. So just, he just gathering would just data. Try stuff. Yeah, that's amazing that he would gather. Is there still science of note that you could theoretically discover through your senses directly, or are we at the point where it all has to be discovered mathematically? Well, I think that's probably a really that's really interesting, and we'll probably get into that uh, with. Einstein, because Einstein was also someone who was very conceptual and, you know, was born, you know, 250 or 200 years later. Um, So I would say that if you if you if you 
actually s- denied that as a possibility, you'd be pretty arrogant and you'd think that we know more about the universe than we do. Um, things are definitely way more complicated than they were during Newton's time. But, uh, but these, you know, these special minds come along every once in a while and just look at the world in a way that, that only comes along every couple hundred years sometimes. So, um, but that's not to say that the people during Newton's time were any slouches. You know, this was the beginning of the scientific revolution mm-hmm. and gave us, gave us modern thought, basically. So it's a good time. Good time for science. But was um, it true that Newton was a big, like, think different guy once in a generation, if that? Oh, I, I mean, it's undeniable. You know, like, personally, to me, I would say that Newton and Einstein are the, gr- the greatest minds of all time and and mostly because what they were able to do was use intuition to suss out universal i I wouldn't say truths because neither of them are you know they haven't explained everything fully but universal characteristics that are so far beyond the experience of 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 humanity that it's a it's kind of difficult to wrap your head around. Um, Which I think is, yeah, what that's the joy of being a layman to science is I just want to know enough to wrap my head around the concept and go, wow. And then I don't need to know all the math of and vector calculus of it all. <laughs> and so I would counter that and say that uh, that's actually the joy of, no, of, of learning science in depth is that you realize the explanations that we get without the math are actually pale they're pale imitations of what's actually happening and i would i would uh um definitely suggest that anyone who has the 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 interest to look deeper into the vector calculus and tensor calculus and all those things yeah, so, branches sorry. of calculus I'm not aware of. I did not know the phrase tensor calculus till now. <laughs> that's uh, that's what general relativity is is uh, worked out in, and and that's a, and so that's actually another really interesting thing is Einstein had to learn that it's not that these things just popped out of his head. You know, he spent what about ten years trying to go from special relativity to general relativity so you get to see that these are even though they're giants they're still flesh and blood and they're not not magic so anyways that's my piece on that I'm sure it'll come nice. up over here and there oh we'll have to do an episode about general relativity because that's one of those ones that I know infuses everything about every moment of my life including time itself and yet I still don't fully understand what it means in like a tangible way that I can wrap my head around oh yeah yeah definitely and that's a that's a super good one um yeah. but let's yeah. talk Newton in quarantine okay. first of all what was he quarantining from the Catholic was, Church? He Who's was quarantining kill from uh, a, the bubonic plague, basically. There was a big outbreak. Oh, that's and, a classic. Yeah, classic. Classic uh, quarantine. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he, it was 1665. He had just graduated from uh, his undergrad, basically, at Cambridge. And, um, and then he had to go back to Woolsthorpe, England, to his family farm. Uh, and... Thus began the Annus Mirabil- Mirab- 
Spilus. My Latin's kind of rusty, I guess. Year of Chicken uh, uh, Marbella? Uh, the Wonderful Year, yeah. Oh, the so, marvelous year. So, so two people had those. It was him and Einstein, 1905. Mm. Einstein had one, too. And uh, this does not, you know, this by no means represents everything Newton did. And actually, the things we'll talk about, he didn't finish during this time. Uh, so, you know, again, try to try to dissociate yourself from the idea that this guy is a wizard, right? He still he still had to work these things out over sometimes, you know, almost 20 years in the case of gravity. So, but there nevertheless there was a year where he had the initial idea for like 10 projects that all came to fruition and were like right. earth-changing. So there, <laughs> there are three main main things we'll cover. Um, but I also I, do you mind if we just talk about Newton a little bit? Just get a little bit of a sense for this man, his background. Who was yeah, it's interesting. All right. It's contingent. I'm watching you. Well, okay. Okay. You can stop me if it's uh Sure. So his dad died three months before he was born. He was premature. They thought he would die. He was a sickly little, you know, baby. Uh, his mom, this is a weird way to describe your baby, said he could fit inside a court mug, which I've never, I assume that's a like what? A, a court mug. I assume it's like a stein, like a... 32 ounce stein. oh um yeah some of those mugs have a, a cork top on a hinge to kill the head on your beer oh so that must oh, be a cork mug is, is that, that what that's yeah. for i'm guessing but that is what that cork topper is for yeah oh that's thank you for <laughs> see that. we share information here yeah yeah um <laughs> so his mom remarried when he was three and she just moved out she has left him with his grandma, started a new life. Like, wow. And, yeah. And apparently that was common in the day, but um, I wouldn't say that social norms uh, necessarily mean healthy parenting uh, <laughs> strategies. So um, later in a, in a book of sins that he kept, he kept a book of sins, by the way. He, a book of his own sins? Yeah, he was confessing to God in, in right. his book of sins. He's, one of his sins was that he was threatening his father and mother to burn them and the house over them. So he didn't like his stepfather very much, I don't think. Um, oh, his stepfather and mother. Yeah, okay. yeah, stepfather. Um, well, he never had a father, so... Because he died Well, that's why I would born. think he would threaten to burn his bio-parents' <laughs> house down, because yeah. fuck them. <laughs> they abandoned me, but I guess... You you really hate the people that you're in contact with the right, most. Right. <laughs> so so he lived with his grandmother until he was 12, uh, when his stepfather also died, and his mom came back like nothing had happened. Three new kids, you know, just just forget mm -hmm. the whole thing ever happened. Conservation of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and so she uh, she pulled him out of school to start farming, but as you can imagine, Isaac Newton as a farmer, he wasn't so good at it. And he didn't care for it very much. So he went back to school because it was clear that was not going to work out. Uh, then he enrolled in Cambridge. And uh, even though they were landowners, I guess, so school, college, interestingly enough, wasn't expensive back in the, back in the olden times. But, li but like as living in 
alone in a city without your family was expensive and so the family didn't actually have mm-hmm. that much money and uh he got he got by in school bussing tables uh for the wealthier students and cleaning dorm rooms basically in between it's a real be- good isaac hunting story yeah yeah in between being isaac newton um he wasn't a good student because he like did his homework barely enough to pass and then he went off and read uh what interested him so he wasn't lazy by any means don't use this as a as a reason to say that you're isaac newton when you're you know you're not doing well in school or anything but he was just off reading the modern philosophers instead of studying aristotle as much as uh, as the curriculum wanted him to it's like if when they assigned us ishi last of his tribe in a separate piece we were like fuck this shit and read real books yeah right <laughs> it's like he was already ahead of the curve yeah yeah, yeah. um but, reg- but so even though he wasn't you know a stellar student per se he still got accepted into the you know basically grad school program but then the plague hit and he had to go sit at a farm in the country for about 18 months so um that is where the magic starts and so just to go over the three things that newton came up with uh during this Mm -hmm. basically year and a half period and really 1666 is the is the miracle year so he was just putting around for a little bit yeah Oh, that's true. Uh, so apple trees, number one. And then what are the uh, other two? Apple tree, um, alchemy, and <laughs> and coin yeah. making. Those are his big things the, that he did. The three A's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, he invented calculus. Yeah. He, he discovered that light was a composite of different you know i guess he didn't really think they were waves but a composite of colors which led to a whole bunch of optics discoveries discovered it or was able to demonstrate it because that's different you're right Right. that was a he he that was an experiment that he conducted and there's some argument over how much it actually proves but regard regardless for for the time it was pretty it it was an anus marabellum it was yeah mirabilis Mirabilis. It's yeah. a Mirabilis. And, uh, it's a mitzvah. And then, and then uh, gravity popped up out of there. So, Whoa. you know. All right. That's a big one. That's Including fun. gravity, conceptualizing gravity as all mass attracts all other mass. Well, so we'll get, we'll get to actually the scale that he was thinking. And that is kind, okay. of, that is kind of the thing. But let's, let's just start with calculus. So oh, great. So, That'll get us a fuck ton of listeners. Yeah, hey, let's start with calculus. Let well, me you know ask what? you this. Maybe we what? can maybe we can we can, you know, make it a little bit more more sexy, the calculus, once you understand well, the power. M- this is <laughs> That's what I was gonna ask. So maybe you're maybe this is what you're gonna explain, but and I, I vaguely know part of the answer because my calculus I did take calculus, but it's rusty. Um but like I understand a logarithm and a tangent as shapes on a graph. Um, mm-hmm. What is calculus? What do you mean by invent calculus? Why invent calculus? What does it describe in the real world? You know what I mean? Whereas like addition describes taking objects and lumping them together. What does calculus describe? So so calculus at its base is the study of infinitesimal uh, amounts. 
continuous change, kind of the same way that geometry studies shapes. This is an in, this is an entire aspect of reality that we live through every single day, uh, but we don't really have much contact with. So unlike geometry, where you can kind of manipulate things and and get a sense of it, calculus is is you know, it's just a little bit more subtle. And there are plenty of, yeah, pl plenty of math concepts that are very subtle and outside of our reality. But, um, but what Newton was doing is trying, I think he was, I think the reason calculus popped up was because of the gravity problem. And one of the most fundamental and powerful parts of calculus is that it can, it can give you the relation between things uh, as well as describing continuous change. So like, let's say you have a car, right? The car has position, it has a speed, a velocity, and it has an acceleration. Um, I, if I asked you to relate those things, how would you, how would you come up with the answer? And are they part of the same thing? Intuitively, they seem to be, but is, is there a good reason that they should be tied together? Uh, man, you really put me on the spot here. <laughs> no, this is going to be a test. Yes? Yes. Uh, well, but no. But. Oh, thank God. Thank yeah. Christ. No, but I mean, uh, I guess the answer would be if representing those things in a mathematical system benefits us in some way or adds to our store of knowledge, then yes. Does it? Yeah. So so basically what, is, what happens is you start with a, a position or a displacement. And you can kind of over time, you know, with a car, let's say you had a giant ruler or something and a car is going by and you have a stopwatch, you can map mm. the position of the car over time, right? Right. And then from that, you can, you know, you, you can make a, an equation and you can kind of say that there's some velocity there. And then if the car is doing something weird where it's, at different places at different times and it's not a constant speed then you can kind of say like oh it's changing its speed and that's some sort of acceleration but with calculus and that's where you get okay go ahead with oh, calculus well, yeah with, cal with calculus you know these are functions right so you if you have a cartesian coordinate system and in, in two dimensions you'd have you know uh some a time over time you'd have some some position right Mm -hmm. And so when you graph that, uh, it's going to be a, that's called a continuous function. And then if you take the derivative of that, so in the differential calculus, the, 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 the tangent line to the displacement uh, is actually, that is the velocity. So you can, you Which can actually show and that so it allows you to to the layman listening i think what this means and correct me if i'm wrong this is why i'm here if functionally this calculus allows you to predict things with some degree of accuracy right that's what we're getting at we predict not just predict but also make predictions about things that are related and find relations that you may not ordinarily see so this is like this is like the, okay. that's that's the the simplest, I would say, to right. me at least, the simplest practical application of And in another calculus. way, it it measures the rate of change as it changes, which is not as confusing as it sounds when you get it. 
a great example I heard about was a study showing that babies are more likely to parse time logarithmically than linearly. Oh, really? And that adults, like, it, it's a learned process that we get us an internal clock that gives us a sense of I'm at the doctor's office and they told me I'd be waiting an hour and it's been about a half an hour. So I'm halfway impatient. You know what I mean? Or like, uh -huh. I'm, I have an expectation that I'm halfway through, uh, babies have sort a logarithmic curve where it does you you don't feel like it's halfway through until it's more than halfway through but then you really quickly start to get really impatient you know, <laughs> towards the end of the waiting period well i've been and, there so yeah but it was just it was an interesting insight into the way uh perception is not always linear we force time to be linearly perceived because we reinforce that perception of it anyway that's a tangent Haha, -ha. that's a pun that'll <laughs> good, keep good giving in the show. But continue. Um, so he invented calculus. <laughs> so he invented calculus. At, at a similar time, uh, the, another guy actually invented calculus. And his name Leibniz, is Gottfried Leibniz. Right? Yep. Boom. Um, got one. And guess what, though? <laughs> huh. The calculus we use today, like, you know, the notation when you're writing out the calculus equation, that's actually Leibniz. Newton had a terrible notation. Nobody understood it. So so Leibniz oh, okay. actually won. Um, so it's like the Tesla Edison thing where secretly Tesla's well, was better. No, because AC and DC are totally different phenomena. But um, oh, but that's okay. maybe that's a story <laughs> for another day. <laughs> that sounds like a different episode. It yeah, does sound like on. a different episode. Um but Newton did come up with it first, and for the rest of his life, he pretty much uh, said that Leibniz was a thief, and, you know, he, he stole, he didn't come up with it independently, because, of course, that would, mm. that would lessen the magic of his own mind, right? Right. Um, but, so, you know, calculus, you said, can do the you know, rates of change, but it does a lot more than that, and, you know, it's useful from everything for, from... Yeah, doing stuff like position, but and also quantum mechanics and studying light and chemistry and everything. It's just it is basically it's the cornerstone of anything more esoteric than like dropping a ball off you a building see right in front of you. <laughs> and is that because is it so pervasive? So my perception as a layman is that the reason that's true is because despite anything that you perceive to the contrary everything exists on a spectrum and everything is ephemeral therefore everything involves measuring the rate of change and transiency is that I, I does mean, that ring true to you yeah so, somewhat because otherwise you're just you're looking at at frames right it's like it's photography compared right. to a movie you know i can take a data point somewhere but how do i i mean if you really take a step back how do you really explain how that's how that that's nature particle you know? of sand is you have to explain the donnie darko intention spear of it all what's which way is it intending to go at this moment where has it been what is it like yeah that's sure. a cool way to think about calculus well like it's the back done. it's calculus gives you the intentionality of the data point right uh yeah basically i i think that's that's a decent way to put it I know that you would say that nature doesn't have intentionality, but you know what I mean. I'm anthropomorphizing data points. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, I'm sure you're popular at parties doing that. But 
Um, All right, nerd. Yeah, nerd. I, I invited you into the dojo. Show some respect. <laughs> Um, what else did he invent? Come okay, on. I think I think that's good for for calculus. Um, but so so he was he was really important to er, I guess kind of pretty early optics, uh, optical physics. Um, mm-hmm. So you have Galileo, who actually did two. You know, he kind of did two of these things. He did the the first you know, first real like explanation of things falling at the same time kind of getting it at early gravity and then he uh, did the the telescope but mm. uh, i think that was a he uses it just lenses right so we're actually going to get into that too um but newton showed using i guess he was super into prisms speaking of nerds he was just sitting in a room <laughs> playing with prisms all day long contact juggling is prisms <laughs> like david bowie and labyrinth <laughs> yeah i gotta hope so i actually wouldn't put it past him he sounds like kind of a weird occult uh, guy so um but so he had this thing called the uh experimentum crucis which i know that we have some problems nowadays nowadays mm-hmm. but I'm pretty happy that society's not so pretentious that we have to use dead languages to name every single thing we do. Can we just can we can we agree on that? I guess, except when you look at the periodic table and the new ones are like Uluburundildilium, <laughs> and you're like, was that necessary? Although I understand chemists say yeah, because each syllable means something. But I don't know. I still feel like science is incredibly esoteric, hence this podcast. Yeah, but I'm. Oh, that's fair. But I'm happy that we don't have to. Speak Latin, Latin is particularly pretentious. It's it, true. Yeah, I mean, it's basically yeah. just there to make it so the common person can't understand what's happening. It's like. Which it was. That's interesting to me. That science. Uh, small tangent. I'm behind the scenes working on a spec pilot that's about the world of alchemy and alchemy is not just turning lead into gold it's it's if you go back in the past enough there was a time where the word alchemy applied to engineering mineral sciences uh medicine folklore and scamming people like you didn't know what you were getting when someone said yeah i'm an alchemist they could be a doctor or a flim flam artist or think that they know what they're doing but it's flim flam because it's not real science you know yeah uh it's such an interesting mix of like when we first realized you could know things like behind the surface there's things you could know and uh I don't know. I always like to think of that when I'm imagining, especially Newton and Galileo or these early people. Yeah. What a time to be alive when it's... things just seemed like magic. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Keynes in the 40s or something. I was reading Newton and said that uh, that he, was, he wasn't the first scientist. He was the last magician or something like that. Um, oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, Newton was a total alchemist and was actually trying to, he was trying to do magic, like make it the philosopher's stone so he could spin gold uh, and live forever. Live. That's the one that makes you live forever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Harry Potter. I just, I just finished well, reading Harry Potter, not, the first Harry Potter to my daughter. Um, oh, is she uh, transphobic now? 
Is she transphobic? Did it seep through? Never mind. What? You don't keep up with Twitter drama, clearly. I, you have too much science I to do. I don't. Uh, yeah. I'm, J.K. Rowling is uh, oh, getting I in trouble for that. yeah. transphobia. That's all. Uh, science? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get back to science. Although I'm Please. sure Newton was a, a problematic character in his own right, although I didn't come across anything specific. <laughs> in this particular research dive. Yeah. 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 Uh, does... So let me ask you this. The fact that when you shine a light through a prism, it dark side of the moon's out and becomes a rainbow. What does that mean? Why is that cool? What does that mean? <laughs> Why does it matter to well, science? <laughs> well, so before Newton, there was, you know, there was sunlight, which is white. And then I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, you have like stained glass and stuff like that. So you have different right. colors of light. Um but this experimentum crucis was, I think, I think it was like a series of three prisms. So he he let the sunlight come through the window. It split out into a rainbow, and then he had another prism uh, place so that the sunlight would go into that prism and then recombine into white light. So maybe it was just two prisms. I don't have the diagram on me. Um, but what it showed is that light is a composite of all of the the different colors of light and then that and then that leads you to you know wavelengths and the spectrum of light and and investigating you know what is light if it's not just this thing if it's actually this collection of properties and you know that's and then that takes us down down the you know the yeah. steps and, and Newton I'm, actually I'm just imagining being like a peasant like a goddamn peasant and someone coming and saying like see that sunbeam watch me unwind it and show you what it's made of and then reassemble it into a sunbeam like yeah. that is so it would make my heart sore that's like the Pixar movie of that time <laughs> yeah <laughs> looking at a prism and he clapping was, he was a uh, either a witch or a god or a god yeah (laughs) yeah um and he actually was the i I believe the first person to describe that color of objects was actually uh the interaction of the object with light rather than the object uh creating light at you you know before that you would just say oh the table is white and that was as deep as it went uh newton said that maybe it was maybe it was the object you know trapping some of the light and reflecting some of it back to you because it's all white light right so how is it how is how there do color? we see color why is there color and it's of course because... you know we wouldn't know what that is until the 1900s with quantum mechanics so but is that is it the physical shape of objects that dictates what wavelength of light they like is it the is it the diagram the molecular diagram of how it's stacked up so to speak that uh, dictates what wavelengths are reflected back um i guess maybe in a way but it's the it's the um it's the elect- electronic energy right so the electrons are are in different shells and they have different energies that are needed to raise them and then as they Ooh, uh, this is are, definitely yeah, a that's whole other episode we can get into, it's probably a whole episode yeah, yeah, yeah. by itself but, but okay but things have inherent qualities where they absorb some wavelengths of light and reflect back others and that's actually the color you're seeing I know that much. <laughs> well, and so but but what reflecting actually is is so it's kind of funny that in the end 
the object is actually generating light because the color that it's reflecting per se is the it's the wavelength of light generated by the electrons falling back into a lower energy state so it is kind of creating the light itself by interaction with the sun so do objects inherently glow to some degree oh my god michael you're going crazy with it yeah that's called black body radiation that's another episode too (laughs) all right okay that's great this show has legs yeah well i mean you know there's a lot of science Yeah, so he split up going. light. He split up okay. light, and that that leads to a bunch of stuff, not all of which we can cover in this episode. But that's cool. What was yeah, this third thing? Oh yeah, thing? but I mean, like it kind of shows you that the stuff that he was doing, you know, mm-hmm. in just a couple minutes, you came up with a bunch of, you know, good questions. Like, this and, means this and this. What does it say about that? Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that's that's science. I mean it's it's incredible that we can even that we can even do this. You know that our hashtag that science. Yeah, uh, but so he said light light rays are differently refrangible too, which I I have right, no idea dude, what you, that means. You can't Latin's fine, but you can't just make shit up. <laughs> yeah, um, Why, my God, this light is defragulated. All right, Newton. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think what, what that actually means is that. Um, I, I believe Snell's law is what eventually describes this, but it, but it means that the different colors of light bend differently. Uh, they refract differently in the prism, so they're mm. differently refrangible. <laughs> if try if you ever um, wanna if you ever wanna spend is, a couple of minutes uh, not understanding anything, just go try to read one one of Newton's journals. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. Is that also why a rainbow comes out? uh stacked you know what i mean because obviously you're right like the red light comes out at a different point in space than the green light or you wouldn't see them stacked on top of each other yeah um okay exactly so he he figured out why they wiggle through the glass in the way that they do (laughs) gotcha (laughs) yeah so i mean with this like we talked about you know optics kind of became a, a a science um you know, not just telescopes trying to see far objects, but really the study of light itself. Um, and Oh, yeah. It's like how we make lasers. It's how we do a oh, bunch of advanced it, surgery, actually, all kinds of stuff, so right? Specifically for lasers, um, Newton used prisms as beam expanders, which, you know, kind of like change change the, uh, the we'll say the coherence of light and uh, how... Yeah, how columnated light I, is and everything, and I um, believe Vegeta Vegeta used a beam expander in his fourth form, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, but beam expanders were actually used in you know like the 1950s, I think, to create tunable lasers. You know, it's like 300 years later, they're just kind of you know you obviously using a lot more technology but using using some of the the experiments and principles that newton was working on um so uh, it's pretty incredible and then of course you know newton didn't have it all he thought that light was made of corpuscles (laughs) which are little Mm -hmm. particles but you know uh later scientists scientists would argue they're waves and now we kind of have this understanding although i i still don't I still can't really wrap my mind around uh, oh, the different the Griffin's wave particle him? duality. 
Griffin's um, calling bullshit on wave particle duality. You heard it here. Horn uh, sound. Horn no, sound. I, I, I claimed, uh, I claimed be, uh, being a flatlander. I see. You just can't grok it. Sure. You don't want to explain what flatlanders are? Um, do people not know the book Flatland? They must. Oh, I don't well, know. It's, or at least the Futurama episode where they become 2D. And they explain how if you existed in the fourth dimension, meaning time, you'd look at an egg and you'd see the chicken that it will one day become because you see all of time. Well, so that would be like if someone who was two, three-dimensional could look at a two-dimensional universe, they would see everything. They'd see through everything. And if you lived in a two-dimensional universe, you would think it's incomprehensible that there could be a third dimension. Just like we live in a fourth-dimensional universe, and it seems incomprehensible that there could be a fifth dimension. But I don't know whether there is or not, or what that would mean if there is one. <laughs> I think it's, a, it's just a good exploration of the limits of what you can know. Right. That was, yeah. actually, <laughs> that was way better than I would have done. Thank you for tying that back to Futurama, sure. which is also always a, a well, panacea. What if there... What if there are qualities beyond mass and time that we don't even perceive that Well, I mean, that's matter. Yeah, string they theory and all that. Right. All right, another episode. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if <laughs> I can get into string up. theory. I have, I, don't, I have no idea. Also, it might not be real, so uh, it's kind of debatable. <laughs> Anyways. Sure. Let's go on to gravity, like a, shall it's we? It's like evolution. Yeah, go oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that one. It's just a theory. Yeah, just a theory. Um, so Newton, who probably didn't believe in evolution, uh, said he saw an apple <laughs> falling from a tree. It never, I, I think even in the story, the apple never actually hit him. So I don't know how it transformed into that, but the story goes that he saw the apple and, uh, you know, he, he suddenly understood universal gravitation, which of course, you know, is probably bullshit. He told, I guess he told it, that story a lot later in life. Uh, it never, mm -hmm. never popped up until he was like an older guy who was already oh. super famous. So he could just be like me where I will embellish stories from the past. Yeah. You know yeah. this about me. Just yeah, for he everyone might just listening. Be one of those guys. If Michael ever gives you a figure, divide it by 10. That's probably the truth. Um, was, unless uh, I was telling you how crazy small something was, then you have to multiply it by oh, 10. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless he says specifically, like, you know, that's the fact. Then you believe Michael. He's not a liar. He just tells tall tales. Um, but gravity wasn't brand new uh, with Newton. You know, uh, so Aristotle had a description of gravity, although like much of Aristotle's descriptions, it was total bullshit. He thought everything was, you know, they, it would accelerate differently based on its mass, which at large scales, uh, he's actually more right again. But then Galileo did the experiment with the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, where he, he dropped two objects and showed that regardless of how much they weighed or how big they were they still accelerated at the same speed right so so in my mind for some reason it's a feather and a bowling ball what was it really well, do we know i don't know exactly what he did but feather and bowling okay. ball only works on the moon right there's, because there's air resistance there's, yeah yeah right um but yeah so it would have been just like probably a small bag of rocks and a big bag of rocks yeah because they have similar resistance yeah yeah um yeah 
But and then didn't I know he also did a bunch of shit with uh, slopes and ramps and figuring out how things accelerate around loop to loops and stuff like that and why. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I believe yeah, Galilean relativity is a thing too. Uh, so that that's a story for another day too. But uh, mm-hmm. but Newton wasn't the first one. Is is really the the moral of the story? Gotcha. That does not mean that what he did was not an insane leap though uh you know astronomy was becoming a more i guess relatively more mature field than it had been when aristotle said that the universe was made of like 55 objects and Mm -hmm. beyond the stars was like the spirit realm or you know whatever nonsense he said not i'm not a big aristotle fan uh by the way clearly yeah really tearing into him i don't yeah he's not any anywho there are better greek philosophers uh, and he made Alex the Great, apparently. So Alexander the Great. Um, but he but made what, him. Well, he was the the tutor. He gave birth to him. Oh, hmm. I see. No, he was yeah. Alexander's tutor. I didn't know that. Uh, I thought Aristotle was turned out to yeah. be made fictional. Or am I think is Socrates fictional? Socrates One of them is fictional. Is okay. fictional. Yeah. Well, or he might possibly. be an amalgam of multiple yeah, philosophers yeah, yeah. or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so what Newton did is he's the first person to describe universal gravity. And what that is, is so everyone before... <laughs> I know you wanted me to go, oh, wow. But I'm like, okay, go on. <laughs> well, that's Explain. because we live in the 21st century and you this sure. is all commonplace to you. Um, but during this time, people were just starting to understand that the, you know, the sun didn't go around the earth, right? You know, uh, mm. so... All of this is pretty new, and all of the gravity experiments up until this point were more uh, just just people dropping shit off of buildings, right? (laughs) And (laughs) Newton said, hey, what if the same thing that makes the apple, you know, the apocryphal apple fall, is also the thing that makes the moon go around the earth? And uh, so that was his big... You know, it might not seem like much, but that was his in, his insane oh, huge. insight in, Dude. in 1666. Ultim- and uh, As a lover of science fiction, this is how we end up with that stupid explanation of warp drives where you're like, the gravity is so intense. You know, this is the beginning of everything. Yeah. Our understanding that all mass warps the gravity around it is is so ubiquitous now. We Like, yeah. And you can prove it with, you know... The experiment where you put stuff in water and it's attracted to it. Now you're matter. Matter attracts matter. So you you went a little bit too far. That's Einstein that did the warping. So Newton wasn't able to describe why things would be attracted. But, sure, sure. But it's in but the he did he did describe why ma- masses attract or how masses attracted. And, okay. Um, so what did he did he get the thing that it's like uh, your gravity is equal to your mass squared over your yeah. distance? Yeah. Did he so get he that did one? that, and then uh, but it took a while, right? So again, you know, he came up with this stuff during this year. But he didn't publish this until 1687 in the, I'm going to butcher this Latin nonsense again, but the Philosophiae Naturalis Principia Mathematica, um, the mathematical principles of natural philosophy. And that is basically where he put all of his gravity work. And it's said to be the the single most important text in history. (laughs) More than the Bible. Well... 
Hot take. Maybe not to some people, but scientific text. Well, How about well, what that? What else? More than the Constitution. Well, uh, scientific more? text. Let's just we'll say. It. And yes, I would say it's way more consequential than the Constitution. What about the original George Lucas draft of Star Wars a, Blue Harvest? I'm a big fan of the Constitution. Uh, let's, not, <laughs> let's not go back to the Star Wars. <laughs> the Starwell. To the Star Wars. Uh, yeah. It's no, it's no uh, miracle anus or whatever the other Latin <laughs> phrase was, but it's a pretty good Latin phrase. Sure. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, so that, that's, yeah, that's what he came up with when he was in quarantine. Yeah. So he, he had to sit around for 18 months and he had been thinking about some of this stuff, which is also amazing. He was doing this as an undergrad in college and this is like the oh, year yeah, we after. Oh yeah, didn't even get into that. Yeah, he's so like 23. <laughs> Okay, so this is like if your graduate paper in college had figured out that gravity is universal, yeah. had explained the components of light, and had said, hey, what about uh, this branch of mathematics? We could do this now. And everyone went, wow, that's a whole new branch of mathematics. <laughs> Pretty much. And you were like, yeah, did I pass? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that is... That is mind blowing. I mean, that's Goodwill Hunting got nothing on Isaac Newton. Any no. teacher would be like oh, no. trying to take credit for, you know, I think it was me who got through to this kid because he kicks ass, this kid. Yeah. <laughs> 23. Jesus. Um, and then, you know, Newton went on to become the master of the mint and was like this ferocious, counterfeiting, prosecuting maniac who. <laughs> Who wait, would... wait, wait. The U.S. Mint? No, no. The, the Royal the British, Mint. Right. The Royal Mint. In, okay, that makes a lot more sense. I'm the... a dummy. But uh, what I just meant to say with surprise is he became the leader of any mint? Like, why is he the head of a government mint is so, what I'm getting at. So I guess during his lifetime, the British currency was about to fail because there was so much counterfeiting. Like, the, the art of making coins was just people, like, pouring shit in molds, and then that's your coin. And if it was, like, they had no standard weight or anything. So it took Isaac Newton to actually be organize... Uh, nature enough wow. in order to create standard currency and I, I I think there was one counterfeiting trial where they tried to say that the coins weren't actually standard uh, because the scale was broken and mm -hmm. uh, he became enraged and proved that their scale was broken and then the and yeah, you know, by he, doing some experiment, yeah, yeah, well, and, well, <laughs> like, I think they right, I think they just compared a few things, but you know, sure he he knew he knew that his his coins were perfect, and no one was going to tell him otherwise. Um, so he's a maniac, but a wonderful maniac. That well, I don't know how you couldn't, after that, like, when you throw in the curveball that he was that young, and I, I just don't understand how you could not. Like, where does Steve Jobs get off thinking that he's, like, a legendary mind because well, he assembled a successful company that sells technology like computer like electronics man 
This dude was 23 and he thought of universal gravitation and optics and calculus. Yeah. That guy deserves to be walking around just shitting on everyone Dr. House style. He deserves it. He earned it. He is the chosen one. And apparently He's... he kind of did. <laughs> so... He did act like he that. Wasn't, like I he, wasn't a, he wasn't a super affable man. And I guess he was really insecure, possibly because of the uh, abandonment issues and all that. Uh, sure. So actually maybe a little similar to Steve Jobs. But uh, yeah. Yeah. But, but he, he probably was, bathed just as infrequently. Uh, probably. Maybe a little more. <laughs> but maybe. Not, quite, not much. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Newton in a very, very small nutshell. There's a that's lot more. That's Newton. Uh, yeah, that's one year of Newton's life. Yeah. Well, a year and a half. Uh, so get to it, you know. Chop, chop, quarantine. No, it's okay. Quarantine it's okay. I don't think, I don't, no? th- I, I, I don't think we should be trying to be Newton. You didn't bring this up to make everyone feel bad? No, no. I think, oh, um, okay. I think we should just appreciate that there are, every once in a while, there are people who... Uh, just exist out of out of sight of normal normal circumstance and that's okay that's right and you don't need to be there that. are neos uh no you don't have to be neo we only no. need one yeah and in <laughs> fact if everyone was walking around being neo it would just oh, be a mess be... it would be a mess obnoxious oh, the worst. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if someone was like wait looking at that flower i understand the spiral nature of the galaxy and everyone's like we all already know that (laughs) (laughs) no but that's like leonardo uh, da vinci actually that's that's another amazing one uh just his studies everyone already knew the stuff he knew or he always knew stuff already look at water curling around itself in currents and stuff and and he would just study geometry and math with no formal education just just a mind and just figure out like colloidal motion or whatever (laughs) yeah it's it's amazing but yeah we don't need to feel bad um and uh, this whole show um, just keep that in mind for this show because it's always just going to be like what why how why can't i do that Sometimes the focus will be a scientist. Sometimes it will be a, a discipline, like we could do a show on string theory if you knew about it, or we could do a show on optics, or a show, you know. Yeah, I oh, think of course. yeah, it'll of switch course. back and forth. And something I'd love to do on this show is let people know what we're doing next time, if you think that's feasible to do. Well, I know how it about is this time? How about next time? I explain mm-hmm. to you that the sun doesn't exist. That's right. Next time, Griffin will prove why the sun does not exist. You're delusional for thinking that it's there. Well, we'll go over how it does exist, but it shouldn't. What? That, I feel like we already spoiled the premise of the episode. <laughs> Could well, you tune in me next delusional. time on science or whatever to find out whether the sun exists. <laughs> uh, I'd ask Griffin where people can find it, but you don't want people to find you, right? You have a real life. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's. Do you keep want it. people to follow you? No, no, no. Twitter I don't. There's no way no. to follow me. I have no presence anywhere. There you go. Uh, they yeah. The video where you played uh, the Tom Cruise character from Valkyrie no longer exists. I think that's it. I think you're in the clear. <laughs> Oof, that was dangerously close to exposing the past. <laughs> I will not name the video. I will, yeah, we're, I, we're done. I think, we're done here. I think we both should. Yeah. Anywho. Uh, 
We'll be back next episode with more Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!